Um, so there would be applications for certain, you know, programs, uh, let's say about short film, um, and I would get applications and then I would read the script and the film plan. Hey, and welcome back to In Her Lens. My name is Nadine, and if you're here for the very first time, welcome. In this weekly series, I chat with today's women in film about their journeys and work. Thank you so much for being here, and let's just hop straight in. Episode 8, Season 2. Sharon Seda is a director, producer, screenwriter, and film consultant. Born to Syrian Kurdish parents in Berlin, Germany, Sharon studied film and law in the UK and at the Sorbonne in Paris. At the University of Amsterdam, she received her bachelor's in psychology, as well as her bachelor's and master's in international law. Last year, amidst creating her second short writers and her first child, Sharon finished her studies with a master in audiovisual arts at the Lucas School of Arts in Brussels, Belgium. She worked to create visual art projects in Amsterdam, Brussels, and New York, and has worked as a moderator, presenter, curator, and program producer for the Bali, IFFR, and the Human Rights Watch Film Festival. Today, Sharon splits her time between creating her own films and working at the Nederland Film Films as a film consultant. Film consultants are responsible for the qualitative assessment of selective funding applications for film development and production. They are appointed for a limited term and work closely together with the fund's subsidy desk, responsible for the financial and productional assessment of applications. The Nederland Film Fund is a national agency responsible for supporting film production and film-related activities in the Netherlands. Its focus is to develop and strengthen Dutch cinema and film culture, both domestically and internationally. I'm thrilled to be chatting with Sharon today about a very different side of the industry, splitting the episode up in two parts. The first part is chatting about her, of course, and her journey and her work, as well as her role at the Nadon Film Fund. We talk about her love for Märchen films in Germany and her decision to study both her interests and her passions. She shares about her job at the video store and working as a VJ at nightclubs, and about her commute between Brussels and Amsterdam, studying at Luca and working at the Bali. We talk in depth about what it means to produce film screenings, panels, and programs, learning how to build connections and make connections, about guest speakers, and curating an experience. We then shift gears and chat about her newish role at the Nederland Film Films, the great power that comes with the position, and her choice to accept it. We talk about the pitching process, creating film plans, and the criteria that the Nederland Film Films has in place. Sharon shares about her love for cinema, the collective experience, and the importance of representation in every form. This is really a unique and fantastic episode. I hope that you enjoy getting to know her brilliant world as much as I have. Here is Sharon Seda on In Her Lens. Welcome to In Her Lens. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, usually before we start getting into everything, I kind of start off with a round of rapid fire questions so that we can kind of get the mind working, get to know you a little bit better and just get the energy flowing. Are you in for it? I am in. Alrighty. Dawn or dusk? Hmm. Dawn. Tea or coffee? Coffee. <laughs> Wine or beer? Wine. Would you rather travel to space or to the bottom of the ocean? Ooh, can I do both? Yes. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite subject in school? Um, I think it was 
German and English, but like the literature side of it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of the subject. Um, what did you wish that they ta- taught you in school? Uh, financial matters, I'd say. I completely agree. <laughs> uh, are you more of a card game or board game person? Card. Heels or sneakers? Ooh, um, sneakers, I have to say. <laughs> I would love to, to be like that person who goes in heels all the time, but it's just not true. <laughs> Me too. It's not practical. Um, appetizer or dessert? Also both. I'd go for mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. I have a well-rounded meal all around. Exactly. <laughs> um, a city yeah, that you think that people should visit? Sarajevo. And a city that you would like to visit? Uh, I would really like to see uh, Seoul. Seoul, mm-hmm. Korea. Yeah. A three-hour movie or a 10-hour series? I'll do both. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the last thing that you read? Um, the last book I read was, uh, in the end, it was all about love um, by Musa Okwanga. Yeah, it's really good. Exciting. Um, what's your pet peeve? What is a pet peeve? A pet peeve is a thing that really bothers you or like something like a little thing that just gets on your nerve. Oh, okay. Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> no, uh, let, me, let me think. Um, I'm listening. Yeah, Give me one second. A, a dog just broke into my... <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm not the only one with uh, problems as uh, pets and babies. Yeah, no, no. Oh, a pet peeve. A pet peeve disturbing you. Yeah. Yeah, um, there we go. For example, yeah. Right now, right now, I think it's just like working from home. Mm. Uh, like just, you know, trying to get into like a zone and um, things and stuff and people interrupting you. And Yeah, interrupt, big interruptions while you're trying to work. That's, that yeah, is a pet peeve. Exactly. At home. On the opposite end of that, what is the thing that makes your heart melt? Uh, at the moment, I think it's my seven-month-year-old son who is in daycare. And when I pick him up, he's just sitting there and that melts my heart. <laughs> so cute. I can imagine. So um, breaking. <laughs> beach or mountains? Mountains. Uh, the last thing that you photographed? Um, probably my son. (laughs) (laughs) Um, are you more of a physical planner or a phone calendar person? Oh, physical. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 What's your go-to karaoke song? (gasps) I'm so terrible at singing. Like I, I'll, I'll spare, I'll spare you. No, no, there's not. I mean, no karaoke, no karaoke. Even in the shower, even in the car. No, I don't really like, like listening to myself even. (laughs) It's too bad. (laughs) Is there a movie that you can quote start to finish? No, I'm really bad in like uh, at um, you know knowing like text by hearts like from. Do you have a movie that you keep going back to? Yeah, but it wouldn't be the kind that I would know. Well, I like some series I would. Fraser. Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> okay, Fraser. Some episodes I could talk. Uh, with that's them. a good one. Um, texting or calling? Calling. Fall or spring? Yeah, I'd say fall. And if you could have one cuisine for the rest of your life? It would be the Mediterranean cuisine. 
Yes, that's a good one. Okay, <laughs> that wraps up our rapid fires. I am so thrilled that you're here and to have this conversation. Just so for the listeners, we're splitting this episode up kind of in two parts. We're going to talk about you and your journey, and then we're going to talk about film consultancy specifically and the current landscape of film and independent cinema, and who knows what we will meet along the way. Uh, but before we talk about all of that, Trin, I am excited to delve into you and the person that you are. So let's just start right at the beginning. Where were you born and what did your early years look like? Um, well, I was born in Berlin and my parents are Kurdish from Syria. And back in the day, there was there was no war. So mm-hmm. they, um, yeah, they moved to Berlin to actually study. So they were like uh, early days expats, you yeah. could say. <laughs> and uh, they stayed and they had me and my brother. So I grew up with a brother, a younger brother. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I grew up in the middle of Berlin in, in Kreuzberg Mitte. And I attended school there. And um, yeah, it was um, the 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. So really a different time. Berlin mm. has so, changed so much uh, since then. The wall had just uh, fallen in 89. So I was, I think, around three by then. Um, that was a really interesting time to grow up, I think, in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, when East and West were coming together and uh, everything that entailed. Um, yeah. And did you grow up in Berlin your whole, up, up until the end of high school? And what were the steps right after that? Yeah, I attended uh, um, high school there as well. Kind of did an exchange in Ireland, but uh, then came back. And then I um, decided to study. And actually, I I always kind of knew or in my teens, I decided I wanted to go to uh, for film. Mm-hmm. But my family is very academic. It was not really an option to do that like full time. Yeah, it was kind of internalized. You knew that mm-hmm. wasn't an option. That's kind of like arts as a hobby thing. Right. But I knew I wanted to do that. But I, I thought, okay, let me just do law school and then I'll do film next to it. So right after high school, I did like a summer, like a film school summer program. And I was studying law and I also did um, a degree in psychology. Mm-hmm. And while I was like doing my studies, I was always like busy with film and doing creative things because I just could not not do it yeah do you remember one of your first brushes with film and why maybe this particular film if there's one that you remember may have left an impact on you like I really remember the first time that I saw the Phantom of the Opera Um, do you remember any films yeah of course I mean apart from like the um, the 90s Disney stuff which you know everyone saw that but um, what was really special to me were um, those uh, fairy tale uh, films. Uh, in, in Germany, you, you say Märchenfilme. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were like uh, German, um, most of the time, like German Czech co productions, mm. like old uh, DEFA films. DEFA is uh, like the, the Eastern German um, film company. And they made these really beautiful, like fairy tale films that. Um, yeah, that was shown on TV, like on, on, on children's, uh, you know, channels. Mm-hmm. And those were really magical. And they're still classics that will be on TV like every Christmas in, Ger- in Germany and everyone watches them. So those were really, uh, <laughs> no, really. For- <laughs> the magic, so the magic of film really, really um, 
inspired you back in the day. Oh, yes. And the, and the the interesting thing, it's like not, um, you know, the fairy tales can be really brutal too. Yeah, so that's definitely. interesting. <laughs> they are very developed plot lines in terms of life lessons and lessons between people. I mean, children get eaten, eaten <laughs> alive, you know. And I mean, the story of like uh, Henzo and, and, and Gretel. Yeah. And it's it's really brutal. super dark. <laughs> it's very dark. Yeah. So so that I can remember really vividly, like uh, just like watching out for um, for the time that we got to watch those because um, you know TV time was restricted back in the day, mm -hmm. um, and then you were just like saving saving your half an hour or so that you were yeah. you were allowed to watch for for films like that. Yeah, yeah. So when you started doing your studies and doing film on the side, what was your interest in film? Was it directing? Was it writing? Was it producing? What was kind of the thing that pulled you the most towards it? Uh, writing and directing, both. I started like when I was um, in college, I was actually DJing on the side. So I was really experimenting, oh, nice. uh, experimenting with the film also. Just like um, building like a video library. I was also an employee like in a, the video store. We'll still know what it is, a video <laughs> store where you went like physically to get videos. <laughs> yeah. Just to bring it back. <laughs> uh, in, indeed. And uh, just like build a library and experimented with film and did like video installations. And then slowly I got into like doing my own short films. And there was a time when I realized that maybe... I should go for film like mm -hmm. all the way yeah. um, because other subjects I did. Yeah. Well, I have degrees in psychology and international law and they, those subjects, they really interest me, but they don't fulfill me. And that's really a difference. Yeah. And I, I just noticed, okay, I just kind of live without, you know, that creative aspect of my life and maybe I should just go for it. Mm -hmm. And I did that. Yeah. I think it's so important. And I think it's something that, um, we don't uh, value enough is being multidisciplinary and being multi-hyphenate and having the space to work all of those as, I mean, you have such an incredible record in terms of studies, studying film and law and psychology. I think all of those things really feed into the person and then the subsequent artist that you are. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Uh, so you did a no. master's at Luca, right? In Brussels. What did that look like? Yeah. And how old were you at that point? Oh, I was old, like for in film school terms. <laughs> most of the you're film still not old. Then. I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean, when you start film school, most of them. Well, it, it's it's actually a different um, uh, depending where you go to film school. I think in the Netherlands and Brussels, they're quite young. They do mm -hmm. it um, often. They do it after high school. You know, they're in their early twenties. Some sometimes even like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Mm. Um, I know that in Germany they want kind of older um, students, mm -hmm. so they really want you have to have some uh, life experience. So um, for me, I was I was the oldest. I was <laughs> I think thirty when I started. I mm -hmm. had uh, you know my degrees. I had um, worked a while um, in different like sectors, and then I thought, okay, how to put myself. Um, in like the film environment again and what do I need to do to you know get um get going and and to hone my skills and to surround myself with like-minded people and mm. film school was a really good option and then I did a, like a master's program and that was really that was a really good decision and it mm -hmm. was um, 
that's a very free program and 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 lucas yeah so you have different film schools in brussels and one is more um school like and the other one free freer and lucas i think is more free you don't have yeah. any other directions there like usually in a film school you have like the sound department and uh, um camera and so on and then you make a film together and at luca you only have directors so you really mm. have to get your own crew from outside and uh, do everything yourself, which is mm-hmm. hard. But right. um, yeah, it's kind of like that in the real world. So, right, yeah. right. I find just uh, doing various studies really interesting and important. How, what parts of yourself professionally and artistically were developed when you did your um, degrees in psychology and in law? And how did those kind of prove themselves at this program at Luca? Oh, I think, um, oh, I think it enriched me in so many ways. Not only um, the subject matter, that's interesting. I mean, psychology, you can use it for anything really in life, Uh, but also like analytical skills in terms of like, um, you know, script writing, storytelling. But I think foremost um, that I was able to like plunge into different worlds I've worked, you know, in an international organizations. I've worked in like um, one of the f- big four account accounting f- firms. And those are like really different worlds. And I really mm. like dove into them. And I, uh, and that is, re- that, that's like full of stories also, just like so many different life stories and right, you know, right. context. And this is like so important for storytelling also. And, 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 you know, if you want to create different worlds in your storytelling and connect to people. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just super enriching. Yeah, I mean, you've worked as a moderator, as a presenter, as a program maker, all also while studying and being a working student and a young professional. I think navigating early career can be so complicated and challenging. And um, as a person in that phase, it's so daunting. Um Will you share a little bit about what this time really looked like for you and what advice you have to kind of share to continually continually grow as an artist? And like you have to pay your bills and you want to be fulfilled. It is just so much at that age. Oh, um, the the first thing I just think about is like stressful. It's so stressful (laughs) to be like juggling everything. Um, So, yeah, I was always working next to my uh, studies and um, film projects because the film projects um, did not... uh, yeah, pay that well. So mm. I really had to to have other um, you know side jobs, and um, that was financially uh, stressful and and stressful in general just to juggle everything. But what I can really recommend is like searching for like a side job that, in one way or another, um, you know, connects to the things that you are interested in and that you right. want to um, develop, you know, further. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case that you can do that, or maybe you don't have the opportunity to. But um, I think um, everywhere I worked, I kind of made connections or I could, um, you know, use some skills in a way or an- another, you know, that mm-hmm. for my film practice or for where I wanted to go at that point. So it just I, I just <clears throat> named an example, like um, uh, working in a video store as an employee, just like gave me this library and it was like they had a, an, a really a, a great art house section and I could just like watch all those films and but mm-hmm. also like build a library for myself as a like a video jockey like for concerts and <clears throat> nightclubs like experimenting with films um and then the the work 
I, I was really lucky to be able to work as like a film um, programmer and curator at the Bali venue for contemporary like debate, art, culture, politics. <clears throat> and they have a cinema there as well. And I was doing that next to my master's in Brussels. Mm-hmm. I was actually going back, oh, going and, back forth. and forth. Yeah, because the Bali is based in, uh, in the Netherlands, just for exactly. everyone who is wondering. Yeah, in, in Amsterdam. And um, I was able to work there like as a program curator and uh, for cinema and also moderator, which means that I, um, which means different things. For one, it meant that like films we were screening there, um, usually we made like a, a program around those films. So mm-hmm. an evening where you have like either an, introduc- an introductory talk or an after talk, not only with the filmmakers um, and sometimes even not with the filmmakers but with guest speakers that could you know connect with the subject or like shed light uh, what the what the film um, was about and and that could be like anyone like anthropologists to um, mm. rappers musicians um, anyone you thought um, would have like a unique view on the subject of the film and sometimes mm-hmm. with the filmmaker um but sometimes also just like a panel of like guest speakers, spoken word artists, or, you know, you could be really creative doing like a program for a film. And that was amazing because you really get to think about film mm-hmm. and um, talk to, and uh, you know, people who uh, have interesting ideas about uh, uh, the yeah. film and the subject. So it was it was so great to be able to do that, like as a side job. <laughs> it was really a full-time job, and I <laughs> did film school also. But uh, yeah, no, I loved yeah. it. I think it's super interesting, and I'm really intrigued by the role of programmers at festivals and larger institutions. You end up in this role. How do you start building skills in that field in terms of pulling certain parallels, looking at films critically and for entertainment? Obviously, you have your own personal uh, view and experience. Yeah. Um, but I find it an interesting job to have. So what does that really look like in reality and how do you develop um, in that role? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because it's really, um, yeah, just doing it, like learning by doing mm. it. Also bouncing off your ideas in your team. So I had a really, um, like a really great uh, supervisor who, um, you know, talked to me about how she set up a program and um so i had like uh, some guidelines on how to do it but in the end you have to do it yourself and find your way mm-hmm. right <laughs> just right. like uh, jump right into it um but uh it's yeah it's it's also learning um you really have to learn how to think in in that way you know it's a, it's mm-hmm. a different way of thinking it's like um how to um yeah connect or find certain topics that are not maybe you know um um where you have to maybe dive deeper or make connections even between movies sometimes you do double mm-hmm. bills you know and you kind of group films together and mm-hmm. think okay i want to um have like this meta um topic and talk about that and that mm-hmm. can be interesting too so it's um you really have to open up and extend kind of your way of thinking about film because right. there's so much possible and you have so many angles, especially as a programmer. I think you really benefit 
from like an interdisciplinary background because mm -hmm. then you can make so many connections within one film and and of course it helps um to uh, <laughs> to know um a lot of people guest speakers mm. you can connect to and then also to know uh, where to um find people that are maybe not first on the list you know right. talking about like a diverse yeah. speaker panel if you have it you know if you have a, like a panel about animation you don't only want like male you know cisgender white, age, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah people in the audience talking about it and thinking it through on so many levels yeah like, yeah you present who's your audience what topics and in the context of like um what you had you know what you have screened already in the cinema what the profile of your cinema is what other cinemas are mm -hmm. screening right, right. at the moment around you mm -hmm. what is what are current topics going on right now and can we you know watching so many screeners and movies like which yeah. were the best ones what is relevant right now and what we do we want to um, to shed light on throughout all of this you are obviously still working on your own film and your own craft um finding the balance in that is difficult i imagine um finding the time for it is difficult but also keeping yourself creatively fulfilled is is important um what are the works that you worked on during that time and um what was the experience like working on them um it was so hectic that time. <laughs> yeah i was working i was working on my first short film a uh, real short film then and uh, um I, that was actually uh, shot in the ardennes belgium slash uh, france and um yeah because of the film school is so free and you don't have really you know that that setup of of your team already which is um, mostly the case in film schools mm -hmm. i needed to do everything myself and be kind of a producer myself and do everything so i cannot recommend that <laughs> <laughs> if you want to direct or it's like find your own producer really fast it really meant that i just um got an insight into so many crafts at the same time it was not ideal because you really want to focus on you know what you really want to do but still it was i think a good general introduction what each role entails and why and and so on did also my uh sh second sh a short film while working there a female biker film yes. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah it that was extremely stressful but because it was also so inspiring like both things it and i was inspired by the films Sometimes I watched, you know, in my work mm -hmm. and the people I met there. And uh, sometimes I could connect that with my own film practice. And that is really ideal if you can do that. Yeah. So as we've been talking, you've mentioned so many places that you've lived and worked and um, that you're from and, and, and doing all the combination, bouncing around kind of northern Europe um, throughout this time. And having lived in so many different places, holding different identities in each one of them. Um, what are the stories that you're inspired by? What are the stories that you want to tell? Um, and how has your artistic eye changed um, as throughout the years? And what are things that you are prioritizing right now? So many questions at once. So let many me, questions at once. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still like um, finding my voice, really, mm -hmm. because of, um, 
it's ever evolving the the topics that I find interesting and that that catch my eye or that I live through it's different with um, every age really phase in your life so so that is interesting um like topics that I delved into in the past were like longing belonging and that growing up like biculturally or triculturally I found that interesting and what um that you know does but 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 I'm also fascinated just by like stories that um that you know where you have diverse talents in front of the camera without necessarily um that being a topic you know right, the diversity right. just right. like by them living mm-hmm. their life as, as everyone how does. It, yeah. as everyone yeah. does and you know however small moments and um uh yeah i find that i think um i strive for that right now yeah. that is really uh, that would be really great if we could uh, reach that stage as well mm-hmm. um and yeah i've been really inspired by yeah like in my late teens uh, especially i kind of um got to know the work of like Jane Campion better, but also Mira Nair. And yeah, it's just, I'm just been like fascinated by their work and, mm-hmm. and topics. And um, for me, yeah, for me personally, I think it's um, um, social justice is interesting to uh, write about and to think about, but also, you know, pack it um, into some comedy as well. Just don't make it mm. too heavy. Not too serious so, all the time. Yeah. Not too serious all the time. So I'm for me, it's just, um, yeah, ever evolving. Um, the topics I was interested in a couple of years ago are not per se the topics that I'm exploring now. Yeah, apart from that I really still want to uh, see more women and uh, you know people with other different uh, cultural backgrounds uh, in front and behind uh, the camera it's really interesting that it i do feel that there's like a change coming since mm. you know the black lives matter protests and mm-hmm. the me too movement and um i do think and since you know mainstream has discovered that diversity really sells yeah yeah, Mattel's, you know, Black Panther or I don't know, mm-hmm. Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. It's not only a moral thing anymore. It's just it really damn sells. And yeah. that, uh, you know, people have realized that now <laughs> because you have you, you don't have an all white audience. You have a diverse no. audience as well. So yeah. and they want to see themselves on the big screen. It does mm-hmm. so much to see yourself re- reflected on the big screen. So um I do see that it's changing. Times are changing. Times are changing. And I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I think also what I find so fascinating about your story is putting yourself in the driver's seat um, in terms of everything that you do, whether it's you writing films that you're interested in directing them or programming. Um, what are some leadership skills or, or um, motivational skills to keep yourself in the driver's seat of your own life and of your own career? Oh, I think, um, you know, from early on, when you, like as a 
as a brown girl, as a brown woman, you mm -hmm. realize, oh, like in, 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 the, in a lot of rooms, I was the only one. Um, you know, I kind of went to an elite school, was predominantly white back then. And, um, you know, the programs I got in, the grants I got, I was often um, the only one. And then, you know, seeing seeing that there was a lack of stories that reflected what I was living through or how mm -hmm. I look like or um, that really made me think okay um, you know how, how to change the way to change it is really to do it yourself then and to create the, those platforms yourself for mm -hmm. yourself and for others so that's why it's really important for me also as a filmmaker if I you know do a production I always think about not only you know who I am I portraying but also like who's working in the team and right. um, who do I give chances to and um, you know how can you um, you know just make the whole project stronger by just you know including so many different voices and really like going the extra mile to do it because it's not always easy um, mm -hmm. and you have to tap like different um, yeah different pools and that oh not always the yeah it's it's sometimes yeah it's just like you have to be really invested in it and just mm -hmm. you know call more people in order to get you know to the diverse yeah. talents that you want to have on set or yeah. uh, in front of the camera and I really want to do that and I really am willing to do that but also as a film programmer I was really aware of that and you know talked about inviting guest speakers who are you inviting for which programs and why mm -hmm. and how does your panel look like and just be aware of that as well not only content wise but also who do you you give the podium the the, the stage to right so um i was always aware of that and just i think it came inherently with <laughs> being this only brown girl in the room mm. uh, and just asking myself why you know when you look at the population in amsterdam it's like more of half of the population of Amsterdam is uh, has uh, like a migration background. Still, when when you see films um, made that you know you don't always get that reflection. Yeah, and it's super important. And what we see is what we reflect, right? And I think that a lot of the things that we um, inherently believe or carry forth or how we approach certain people is based on what we have seen and um that is truth of of and the importance of of representation definitely and also even if it's um like i just said right now even if it's not you know about like say you have like uh, i don't know um it's an an actor portraying like um you know with the Suriname background portraying mm -hmm. like Suriname it's so important to do it really uh, specific, you know, mm -hmm. be specific in what you portray, how, you know, um, certain people live. Uh, and mm -hmm. in this specificity, in, in the, geez, I can't even pronounce that word. Like Difficult in the, word. <laughs> yeah, specificity <laughs> lies, you know, the kind of certain kind of universalism. Yeah. Because if yeah. you portray it right, if people really um, identify them and it's it's not just like stereotypes, it just mm -hmm. does so much. 
So today you work as film consultant at the Netherlands Film Funds, uh, which in English is the Netherlands Film Fund, um, the national agency responsible for supporting film production and film-related activities in the Netherlands. Um, before we kind of break down what film consultancy is, will you tell us a little bit about the structure of the film fund in the Netherlands and then your role within it? Yes. So uh, my role as a film consultant that falls under the pillar of the selective funding. Mm -hmm. um, within the film funds, um, actually, the film funds um, just went through like a major restructuring. So, um, certain certain um, branches like came together. Um, so that is selective funding now, and that means that all projects that are will be evaluated, artistic content wise. Um, those projects will you know fall. Yeah, come to us to the film consultants and um, we will evaluate them and um, there's like the film consultants who do the artistic content quality evaluation and then we have also our colleagues who do the financial and production uh, productional uh, evaluation and assessment so we are just like really for the content and for the artistic um evaluation of yeah. the project um let's just break it down to the basics of it what is a day to, what is it that you do day to day and what does that look <laughs> like <laughs> yes so um so we kind of supervise or we evaluate projects from like in different stages so you have like the script development stage then after that is the artistic development stage and then you have the production development and then you get into realization. And um, it's it's really, we are kind of generalist, so we can really, from experimental film to short film, feature film, everything, um, yeah, goes throughout hands and, and brains, actually. Um, so I would, um, so there would be applications for certain you know, programs, uh, let's say about short film, um, and I would get applications and then I would read the script and the film plan, which entails like the vision of the filmmakers and do my notes. And then I would write in a recommendation whether or not to grant a subsidy, whether or not they get the grant. And then an official document will be sent out after other analysis about the production and financial parts. Um, with like a decision on whether or not they uh, they do get the grant, and after that um, we have um, discussions, like not discussions, but kind of like feedback sessions with them, uh, where they can like filmmakers and, and the creative teams can ask questions, and we just discuss like the the further trajectory, whether it be like the next the next step, as in yeah. artistic uh, development or what they need to go in, in order to come back to to um, to redo the application if it's a, if it's a no and when you let's say you get a no and uh, you do a feedback session what is the lifespan of the film after that how related do you stay to it do they completely go away do they do you stay in contact with them do people very often reapply um, what does it look like when there is a negative um, response to a grant application so when there's a negative response, it's always motivated. So they really do know why we said no. 
and mm -hmm. I write like a like a recommendation and and the criteria I, I name the criteria and and the points and then they have the chance to resubmit it and then it's on on the team when to do it to address to address the the points we discussed and then resubmit or you know whether to mm -hmm. rewrite it and uh, that can mean different things in different stages yeah, um, yeah. and you can um, apply twice for each like level mm -hmm. uh, so for each de developmental um, development level you can apply it twice that's the maximum and then you, after that yeah. you cannot resubmit it mm -hmm. Um, working at a larger institution like this, how is the team built and what are the structures in place that you function within? Yes, so uh, we're a team of eight film consultants right now. That means uh, some of us are specialized in certain um, films. So we have like a documentary, mm -hmm. um, a film consultant for documentary films and animation film. and But most of us are like generalists that that evaluate all kinds of projects from experimental film to feature films. Mm -hmm. um, then there's also um, the project manager and the head of um, the select funding. And um, yeah, we just run by our you know, decisions and recommendations by them. And so, yeah, you really, you also have like this clank board. You really have this, um, mm. uh, this room to also, because it's very soloistic, the reading, right. the writing part. And it's mm -hmm. really important to be able to also, you know, bounce it off your um, your team or, or the head of um, selective funding. So, yeah, that is kind of the... And then you also have always, the counterpart is always the, the financial and productional assessment. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that is someone else's um, expertise. Yeah. And that yeah. together makes up the recommendation yeah. for yeah. the grant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and of course the um, um, the head of the film funds, Bero uh, Bayer, he 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 has the last word in it, mm -hmm. so he will mm -hmm. read all the recommendations. It's actually a recommendation to the head of the film funds that we make, mm -hmm. and uh, that is then signed off by him, mm -hmm. and that right. document will reach the filmmakers. And how did you end up um, at the film funds? Well, in between the Bali and the film funds, I made my second short film. Mm -hmm. So I that was actually in COVID times. Um, Love it. <laughs> yeah, because you graduated, you graduated Luca in 2020, right? So that was also during COVID. In Unless you were before. You know, it was it was postponed because I couldn't shoot, and then COVID hit, and mm -hmm. I couldn't do production. Then it was, I think, mm -hmm. in. March, I wanted to shoot end of March and everything shut down. Mm -hmm. And I managed to shoot my film in the summertime last mm -hmm. year, a biker's movie, uh, <laughs> female biker movie. I was actually in it as well, riding my motorcycle, being like, yes. <laughs> being like four months pregnant or something. So uh, good. Yeah. So um, I did that. And after that, I was actually headhunted by the film funds. Um, uh -huh. So... Okay. They asked me to apply and I was really actually it was it was a hard decision because I was just starting film practice. And yeah, I was I was thinking, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? But in the end, it was just like an opportunity I couldn't let go because it's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's you can make such an impact in that position. It's also restricted right. four or five years um, because mm -hmm. it's such a position of power. Mm -hmm. Really, um, together with the other film consultants, you really decide what you know, projects 
get made. Yeah, it's a, it's a position with a lot of responsibility. And that also gives you chances, of course. What is also the case, it's just so inspiring to read and learn from, you know, um, the things, the, the film scripts and the film professionals that you meet mm -hmm. and to learn from them and to read all those um, scripts. And it's just, it's just a pleasure. You really just learn so much. And um, yeah, it's just, um, I think, you know, obviously I, um, I think and for me it was important like as the, the film professional that I am with all the facets that I bring I think it does good <laughs> in this position mm -hmm. but at the same time it also um is super inspiring and and insightful to do this job it's really a win-win it is such a unique uh position to be in and um uh, I find it super, super intriguing. Uh, we have to tread carefully, obviously, because it is a public. I don't want to talk too specifically about what you prefer or don't prefer, but I do want to talk a little bit about the pitching process, things that are important to hit just in general, conceptually, when you are writing a script, when you are pitching something to a fund, what are things that you as a filmmaker carry forth um, when going through that process? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, there you know, certain public criteria which mm -hmm. we check our um we check you know when we write those um recommendations we we check the scenario of like the script and the and the film plans against those criteria mm -hmm. and that's like in the in the general uh, regulations of the film plans you can read it you know we mm -hmm. um uh it's like the content quality um the quality of the you know whatever it is, synopsis, treatment, or um, mm -hmm. script, storyboard. Uh, but also, yeah, we look at the track record and also diversity. Who's in front of the camera, who's behind of the camera, and what do you do um, for the Dutch film climate? Like, mm -hmm. do, you, um, do you support new talents with your production and so forth? So I think there's, um, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but um, those criteria are like public and the general Mm -hmm. regulations of the, of the film funds which we can find like online so that's helpful to know i think and to to keep in yeah. mind when writing your like film plan where you you mm -hmm. know um, where you um state your vision and it's always good to know why you want to make that film why is it important for you to make it and um to um to really be aware of uh, where you want to go with this project. I mean, it depends on what stage you are. If you're just writing a mini treatment, of course, your research has been limited. I mean, I, in my opinion, you can always write about anything in any world mm. or any character, but you do need to do your research mm -hmm. and you do need to know what your position is in the world you know, do your research about the characters that you are portraying. Know your position as a filmmaker, as a female filmmaker or a male filmmaker uh, or mm -hmm. a black filmmaker, a white filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. And in relation to what you want to tell. It's always good also to think about who to include in your team and who can enrich, you know, what you want to tell. You have a certain perspective on things that can improve mm -hmm. um, what you want to tell. So those are things I, I think it's good to think about before, mm -hmm. before uh, applying. Not even before applying, just 
for your project in general. As you're growing, right, right. As you're growing to, to yeah. think about those things. Yeah. As a, as a young filmmaker, I sometimes get really intimidated <laughs> by institutions like at Nederlands Film Films or any other grant places or applications I have to write and, and it can feel very overwhelming and it can feel very impersonal. So it's very nice to talk to somebody who is behind the curtain. Um, what would you say to people who, uh, who are struggling with uh, putting themselves out there and, um, uh, and that kind of vulnerability and fear of, of, of rejection? Um, just ask, just ask, um, come approach us, um, mm -hmm. if you don't know how to, you know, where to go. And also we have, you know, in the, the past year, also with uh, COVID, a lot of new regulations came up and like new, um, support funds in those, mm -hmm. uh, in these, uh, like difficult times. Um, and, uh, inter alia, it was, um, the Cypher Cinema, which is, for self-taught filmmakers who have not attended film school. I think um, there's like so much out there and it's just a, a shame to be like, um, you know, intimidated by it because um, mm -hmm. it's, there's so many funds and, and programs you can apply for. And it's always worth, you know, asking if you don't know or um, yeah, getting in touch. If you, if you, if you doubt mm -hmm. The film consultants are not the the first um, you can approach because we really need to stay like neutral, mm -hmm. you know, for the projects that land our on our desks. You have watched so many films. Um, you've read so many scripts. Um, in your eyes, what is kind of the place of cinema in our current reality right now in the last two years, and uh, what conversations uh, are happening? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think with um, COVID hitting us all, um, more or less, um, it's, it's really cinema versus streaming right now. Mm. And it's, um, it's most of the time a forced choice or has, or has been in times mm. where, yeah, in, in really hard times where cinemas had to close because of, um, restrictions or had to open, but very restricted. Um, we all turned into streaming or mm -hmm. turned to streaming. But I also do think that um, it's very obvious that we all have a hunger to get out there again and to have mm. like collective experiences again. Mm -hmm. And yeah. cinema is just one of one of those. So I don't see the end of cinema <laughs> something so unique that um, that you cannot that you cannot have or get with streaming. Mm -hmm. it's just such a unique experience and I really miss it. It really is. I went to go see a film years ago at New York Film Festival. I think it was like three, four years ago called Happy is Lazaro by Italian um, filmmaker Alice Rollwaller, I think her name is, if I'm not yeah. mispronouncing that. And there's halfway through the, through the movie, something happens and the whole cinema just collectively was like... <gasps> And everyone like audibly reacting. And that moment is what I go back to all the time. Um, also, as a person who loves theater, that collective experiencing of something is obviously something that we've been missing over the last two years, but also something that has been in humanity since uh, the beginning of time. And I hope that... Um, yeah, you want to share. To yeah, 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 you want to share this. I mean, if you see something and it's super funny or super sad, you just want to look like to the, the person next to you and just like... See, did you see Recognize. this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Recognize, yeah. yeah. No, so the funny. power in that, the power in in that storytelling is enormous and something we we can never count out. 
And in the in the scripts that you're reading, has it has the um, the themes have they shifted in the last uh, couple months, or or do you still notice people are still writing um, the stories that they personally want to tell, or has the thing the big social movements of the last two years been affecting uh, the stories that are being submitted? Hmm. That's a good question, but I I I I'm afraid I cannot say a lot about that because I just started last year in this position. I do, I don't really have the comparison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I cannot really say a lot about that. Do you notice in yourself that stories are, are shifting for you a little bit? For myself, like in my mm-hmm. story writing? No, those topics um, have always been there. I've always right. lived them my whole life. So it's right, not something right. that just... Or even, like with, I have a different... even with COVID or, or something like that, it has this time alone or yeah well you've you've uh created new life so <laughs> alone i don't be the right yeah word, but. i i i'm a corona boomer <laughs> <laughs> i i created a baby in those times yeah um yeah honestly for me it's just it's it has been maybe one of the busiest years um which i think is different for everyone the experience of covid you know whether you you know gained a new job or lost a job or um so i for me it's it's been a very strange time because um obviously need new job but also i've been living like in a in a baby bubble um and the baby bubble is is like very isolating (laughs) you know living through that in a pandemic was really kind of uh it was weird because everything was shut down but also your life was shut down so for me, it was a strange. So I don't think I'm. Like, <laughs> for me, it was it was a crazy year. So um, mm-hmm. no, for me, I don't think it has changed um, the things I thought about before. Maybe even more so. I'm longing for like some stories about motorcycles and freedom and the road. <laughs> so before we wrap up, what are things that uh, that you're working on personally in your filmmaking, and what is something that we can keep an eye out for? I'm still, um, for the next few years, I'm still, oh, sorry, I have something in my throat. People who's... Yeah, I'm really in love with this, the mixing of all the languages. I feel very much related to this, and I just wanted to say oh. that. <laughs> like, at least three languages a day. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really bad. Super impressive, okay. super impressive. I'm thinking, Sharon, just like, concentrate on one language. <laughs> um, okay, almost there. Yeah, so for the next couple of years, I'll I'll uh, be at the film fonts as a film consultant because um, mm-hmm. the term is um, uh, for four years, four more years. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that. But I'm um, doing this work uh, not full time. Um, I did this uh, this on purpose because I want to stay creative, um, and so I'm writing um, next to next to um, being. A film consultant whenever I can, mm-hmm. whenever the baby lets me. <clears throughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm writing my, uh, actually my, uh, my uh, first feature film. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I love it. Good. Yeah, and I need it. Yeah, yeah. The outlet, yeah. the creative outlet. Yeah. So good to know about yourself and also so good to prioritize that part of yourself. Definitely. Yeah. Um, last question is if we could look at, or if you could look at your 10 year old self. What would you say to her? Oh, oh, I was so 
you know, hardworking and studious back then. I, I would <laughs> say be like more of a rebel. It's okay. You can not give a fuck more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, mean. I, I was... I was so serious and so, um, yeah, and maybe somehow um, too caught up in that, let it a little loose. Even at 10 years old, it's so young to be to be in that mind state, but it was mm. um, it was like that. So mm -hmm. more of a rebel and um, to give less of a fuck, <laughs> if I could say that. I, like, I feel, yes, you can, <laughs> for sure. And I think like we should all collectively give a little less of a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> going through that fear it's letting loose a little bit it can be so important yeah and it's I, I mean even if you fail it's important to fail also yeah that's also 100%. something like it's it's okay to fail like and then you do it again and then you get mm. up and you do it again until you mm. get it right or right ish right ish until you get it right ish that is the, <laughs> nothing is perfect that's another thing i had to really teach myself ain't nothing perfect i'm trying my best <laughs> that's it thank you so much for joining me i'm so grateful this really was such an enlightening conversation and i'm really excited for people to tune into it so thank you well thank you so much for having me Alrighty, that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you, Sharon, for joining me. I have linked her work and the work of the Nederland Film Films in the show notes. If you are here for the very first time, there are so many other amazing episodes out on In Her Lens right now with some of the most brilliant, funny, and talented women in the film industry right now. So check them out. We are almost at the end of the season, which is so crazy to me. Next week, we have a very special episode I think I almost say that for every episode, but this one actually is something new. So I hope that you will tune in and um, there's a lot more content to come. We are growing over here at In Her Lens or I'm growing <laughs> and I look forward to sharing so much more content. So hit the subscribe button. If you have a minute, leave a quick review, leave a five star rating. It is the only way that we're going to get seen on the podcast charts. Um, thank you. And I will talk to you very soon. Bye.